Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Happy game day. It's finally here, Saints fans. The Saints kick off tonight against the Houston Texans for a little Monday night football action at 6.10 p.m. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by my co-host, John DeShazer. We talk a little bit later in the show to sports reporter Lainey Fritz. Her dad uh, is the head coach at Tulane, and she's also a reporter there in Houston. J.D., we've we've built up to this all season, all preseason. Uh, the Saints have not won a season opener in five years, uh, but we've heard from Drew Brees this week. He said that they're going to use it as motivation. They're excited. They're excited to change that narrative tonight, and they're going against the Houston Texans team who has made a lot of changes, uh, not only in the offseason but in the last two weeks or so. Uh, what are you most looking forward to seeing tonight out of this Saints team? I want to see them hopefully respond to the energy that the crowd is going to supply them. Now, you know, we say they hadn't won a season opener in five straight years, and that's true, and they didn't win the season opener last year. But they went on a 10-game winning streak last year. So we know that you can recover from an early loss. But the Saints' opening schedule is so difficult, that first four games, that first month of games, basically, when we're talking about Houston at home, uh, the Rams on the road, Seattle on the road, and then Dallas back home. That's a tough stretch of games. And so I don't know. I, I know the Saints don't want to be in a position where they're, you know, coming back home 0-3 or something like that. So obviously you want to get off to a fast start. So I want to see how they jump out of the box. Maybe some early game jitters because it is a season opener. It is national TV. And even though these guys have done that before, they're going to be pretty hyped for this game. But I'd like to see them, you know, just ride that wave of emotion and take advantage of it. Something I was curious about after watching the games uh, yesterday, we saw a lot of teams struggle offensively, namely the Carolina Panthers. There wasn't a lot of communication between the receivers and the quarterback. You know, not that's not a shot at the Panthers. Uh, maybe it is. But there wasn't a lot of communication because during preseason you're seeing a lot of your guys that are tryout players. But are, do you think we're going to see that from the Saints? I mean, you have a veteran guy in Drew Brees, a future Hall of Famer, but you do have some new guys on the offense. You have Latavius Murray. You have Jerry. Jared Cook, do you think we're going to see some of that struggle offensively for the Saints? I, I don't think so. And, I mean, I, th I think that's natural to say that after the first week. But, you know, New England didn't struggle on offense. Um, Dallas didn't struggle on offense. Um, um, Tennessee didn't struggle on offense. Um, there were some teams that really scored well and played well and efficiently on offense in that first week. So it just depends on the team that you are and the chemistry that you have. I think when you, we're talking about Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in that offensive line, we're talking about some guys who have taken a lot of snaps together. So I don't necessarily know that they needed a ton of work together in the preseason, and they got a lot of work together in practice. So I think they benefit from that. So I, you know, I can see – you know, maybe an early, you know, you know, kind of work the kinks out. But the one series we saw the Saints' number one offense in, in preseason was basically uh, as efficient and surgeon-like as you can see uh, an offense run. So I don't think they're going to struggle for long. They've been together for a long time, and they know each other's tendencies. You mentioned Tennessee, and I can't let you go without skipping over the, the whooping that they put on the Miami Dolphins. I know, you know, the Falcons lost yesterday too, which every Saints fan is happy about, but the – the Dolphins game 
Ooh, I feel like that's all anyone was talking about. Did you expect that at all out of the Dolphins? No, well, you don't expect that out of anybody in yeah, the NFL. I mean, you, you know, that's a that's a college score. You don't expect NFL teams to lose. What was it, fifty nine to ten? Or, yeah, something like yeah, that. You don't expect to see that in the NFL. And I don't care how bad a team is, and I don't care if they're quote unquote tanking for two or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, you just don't see that happen in the NFL. I think maybe three, two, three years ago, the Saints went to Buffalo and ran for like 250 yards. You don't see that in the NFL. <laughs> there are some games that just jump out, and so that was the one uh, more so than New England, you know, taking Pittsburgh to the woodshed. Uh, that was the one that jumped out to me, That just that score, saying, man, this doesn't ordinarily happen in the NFL. We talked about the Saints' offense. Let's get into the Saints' defense a little bit. What is their most important objective for the Saints' defense tonight? Yeah, well, they better box in Deshaun Watson. Uh, they better make him a pocket passer, if at all possible, and hopefully take advantage, you know, from that standpoint. Because once he gets, once he escapes contain, uh, he is so dangerous, uh, not just throwing it, but also just running it because he's extremely elusive. So you got to corral him. You got to hopefully uh, get some pressure around him, get him off his points, um, make him feel uncomfortable. But you can't make him really feel uncomfortable unless you keep him in the pocket. If he's outside the pocket, he's extremely dangerous, and he's got receivers who understand what to do when he gets in that scramble mode. He did get sacked 62 times last year, but this is a new offensive line. But, you know, does that help him that it's a new offensive line, or does that hinder him because it's a new offensive line? Because, you know, those guys don't have the chemistry yet. So hopefully the Saints are going to be able to take advantage of some of that because, again, he, he appears it appears that he's – a sackable quarterback, but he's extremely dangerous if he can get outside that pocket. So, you know, I think those, I think this defensive ends specifically Cam Jordan, uh, Marcus Davenport, Trey Hendrickson, uh, Wes Horton, those guys are going to have to make sure that he stays in that pocket and try to apply the pressure that way. And those ends are going to be going against Tunsil, who just joined this team last week. We heard Laney uh, talk, or we're going to hear Laney talk about him later in the show, but he's only had a few practices with the team. That offensive line obviously didn't gel well together last year. So do you think we're going to see some extra effort out of Cam Jordan switching ends of the line out of the, in this game? Well, Cam's been known to flip. Uh, he does, uh, and he doesn't move up and down the line as much as J.J. Watt does from Houston. But the Saints will move him around to look for soft spots, look for look for places where he can take advantage. And that might be a place where he can take advantage, especially if you're not getting uh, production or pressure out of Marcus Davenport. You can flip Cam Jordan over there and let him have, have a say at, at, at Tunsil. And we know that if Cam Jordan gets enough swings, if he gets enough at-bats, He's going to make something happen, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him flip over there and apply some pressure from the right side. A guy I was curious about yesterday because we saw him early in training camp but didn't see him at all later, but he did make the Saints 53-man roster is Saquon Hampton. Uh, do you think we're going to see him at all tonight? I, I, I You've seen him more than I have. I think so more you... special teams. If, if he hadn't gotten hurt, I, th I think we would have seen him out there playing some defensive snaps or at least more than he might play in this game, but he got hurt. Uh, that said and behind, I don't care how many mental reps you are, you get there's nothing like being out on the field. So I think we'll see him more in special teams. We will see C.J. Gardner-Johnson out there on defense, but I don't think we'll see a lot of Saquon. I could be wrong, mm -hmm. but I don't think we're going to see a lot of him out there on, on, in the defense. You could be wrong. It's happened before, J.D. Yeah, well, every, yeah just once every 15 <laughs> years. Or so. Well, let's talk more about the Texans with Laney Fritz. Laney, how are you doing today? 
I'm good. I'm here in New Orleans, and I'm excited for what should be a, a pretty big night. Absolutely. Happy game day to us all. Laney, uh, obviously, Tulane, your dad is the head coach of the Green mm-hmm. Wave over there. He started a few years ago. How? I mean, you're his daughter, so you've seen firsthand. How much of a change in your dad's personality, attitude has he had since starting at Tulane? Because he's turned that program around, and he's just done yeah. an absolutely fantastic job. How have you know? How has he been so far? Well, thank you. I appreciate those nice words for our family because, like you said, this has been a big process, and that's kind of his specialty and something that he's so passionate about in his coaching career. Has been coming into programs you know, that need to be turned around and and being able to do that. But this has definitely been the toughest turnaround job he has had yet in his career. And I think it's super exciting this season that is finally kind of coming to fruition. The pieces are in place, the recruiting that he's done since he's been here, you're kind of starting to see um, that play out. And I think they, they, the sky's the limit for them. I think they really want to win a conference championship and they had a great week one. They were disappointed with how they played at Auburn, but I think that shows just how high the bar is set this season that they were disappointed with that because mm-hmm. I think they held their own and, you know, they had a pretty good showing. And so I can only imagine what they're going to do in conference. So I went to Loyola. I graduated in 2017. So I was there for two or three years while Curtis Johnson was the head coach. And then I was there when your mm-hmm. dad came in and it was crazy. The complete shift of uh, mm-hmm. uh, two lane football games. Like you don't really want to go, like you can go if <laughs> yeah. you want to just go watch a football game. But then once your dad came in and not, and not that Curtis Johnson did a bad job, obviously he's found his fit here, uh, with the right. saints, but you know, your dad came in and it was a, a complete shift in the op- opposite direction. And now it's like, we want to go to two lane football games. It is the thing to do on mm-hmm. Saturdays. People from Loyola came over, obviously two lane students wanted to go. And I remember seeing mm-hmm. a graphic, I think yesterday, of how many guys are in the league that are now products of your dad's football program. Yeah, it's really exciting. I think that's part of what he does so well with rebuilding uh, programs is with the fan bases too, because it takes, I mean, you got to like, he goes out there, he'll talk to any group of people, he'll shake every hand, he'll, he really wants to, to bring that culture and that community. And I think it is slowly catching on. I mean, I remember when I was in college, I actually came over to a Tulane game. I think it was a Tulane North Texas game at the Superdome before they had their stadium and obviously it was completely empty in there and they still have, you know, trouble filling all the seats at uh, Yulman, but they're getting there. And for the very first game against FIU, when I saw the student section, like I almost got chills because it was night and day between his first season there and now. And I think that was game one. So if they keep winning this season, I I think that they can finally pack that stadium and it's a great stadium. I love it there. Yeah. Yeah, Lainey, before my question, a little background information, I'm from Macon, Georgia, Mm -hmm. and I covered Georgia Southern uh, once upon a time. So, you know, even though I didn't cover Georgia Southern when your dad was there, I still have a kind of a kindred thing for anybody who's had anything Mm -hmm. to do with Georgia Southern. So I'll throw that out first. Now, second, (laughs) when it comes to making a coaching decision in terms of moving from one program to the other, we know obviously uh, the the coach and wife have the biggest say, but do the kids, especially, (laughs) you know, what what kind of say do you guys get in those kinds of moves? I mean, especially adult kids, is it kind of one of those things where, you know, dad, just do whatever makes you happy? Or do you guys do a little background work for him? Or how does that work? I mean, it's it's 100% what he wants to do. Like, our family's always just been that way. Like, we're all on board and we're all totally supportive of him. I think it's because we're just, we love, you know, the life so much that we're like, okay, somewhere new, let's go, we're ready. But I will say that I went to kindergarten through my senior year in Warrensburg, Missouri, when he coached at the University of Central Missouri. 
And I think a lot of him staying there aside, like he, he had success there, but a lot of him staying there for so long, I think was him looking out for his kids and wanting us to have that stability. And so I think he makes decisions for us, but we're always there to support and we're always excited and, uh, you know, whatever is best for him. And this has been a really great move for our family. Our family has just loved New Orleans. My brother is the director of player personnel at Tulane. So he works with my dad and um, our family has just really grown to love the city here and the people and the culture. So you said you're in New Orleans now. You also told us earlier going to the game tonight. Are you going to be cheering for the Saints or are you going to be cheering for the Texans? Because I know you covered them in training camp, but which team are you pulling for tonight? Well, um, maybe I should just go with the no cheering in the press box rule and just not cheer, not cheer for either side. So there that you go. I don't get I don't get in trouble. But no, I mean I think you know my heart is kind of going for the Texans. I, I've covered them for four seasons, and um, I, I you know have relationships with a lot of the guys on there. I covered Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins at Clemson actually because my first job was in Charleston, South Carolina. So I go way back with those two and covering them and their football careers and. I think I want to see the Texans do well. I am worried about this game for the Texans. I can't 100% say I think they're going to win, but I think my heart will be rooting for the Texans. All right, so go into that. Why are you worried? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Well, so when I first saw the Texans' schedule, I was already worried that they might have a rough start to their season like they did last season just because of the schedule. Now you put into play all the changes that they have had through their roster since August 31st with that blockbuster trade, you know, they, they don't have the Davian Clowney, which I think is going to be a, a big adjustment. I think anyone who's downplaying that, uh, I, I, I just see that being an issue for the defense. You know, all the pressure is going to be going on JJ Watt now, who's obviously a great player, but then you think about Whitney Merciless is going to have to pick up some of that slack, especially he's going to be relied on now more as a pass rusher. And I, I just see the defense, you know, struggling a little bit without Clowney. I mean, you're saying goodbye to a three-time Pro Bowler, and he was a guy who just tormented quarterbacks on every single snap. And so I see the, uh, going up against Drew, B, Drew Brees, a 12-time Pro Bowler, I just see it being a handful for the Texans' defense. Yeah, the Saints are generally uh, a team that can kind of snowball you at home. But, you know, the, the Texans obviously do have a really good offense. We know Deshaun Watson was sacked 62 mm-hmm. times last year. Uh, you add some help on the offensive line. He got hit a whole bunch. But he's got DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins yep. is one of those dudes in the NFL. So, you know, what mm-hmm. are the Texans expecting offensively? We know they did lose Lamar Miller, yep. but that still seems to be a dynamic offense. Yeah, you say he's one of those dudes. I think he is that dude in the NFL right now. He is the best receiver. He did not have a single drop last season, which is just a mind-blowing stat in itself. And Deshaun Watson, like I said, I covered him at Clemson. He's just such a dynamic player. He's confident. He's grown into such a great leader this season. He's going into his third season, and he is fully healthy um, and confident that he's going to stay healthy this season. He's got Kenny Stills now as a weapon. Uh, Kiki QT is a game time decision. He's questionable uh, with an injury. My concern for the offense is the offensive line. Now they did bolster it and they're a lot better at offensive line, but they've had such a short amount of time to gel and to learn the playbook. And, you know, we all know at that position, chemistry is so important with your quarterback. I just kind of see a lot of mistakes happening and I'm just worried about them being able to gel that quickly. Uh, Laney, from, from a front, front office standpoint, I, around here we've been had the stability of Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis at mm-hmm. general manager for so long, and fans have kind of, you know, they've had their ups and downs with the moves that have, the Saints have made in the past, but they've kind of mm-hmm. grown to 
respect and, and, and love Sean Payton and, and Mickey Loomis. Now, in Houston, different thing. Bill, Bill O'Brien seems to have you know all of the say there. Is that playing well with the fans? And I, I guess especially when you see moves that don't seem to be very popular, like the trading of a clowny. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, the I will say the Houston fan base is definitely, in their eyes, they have Bill O'Brien on the hot seat now. I think he's, I mean, it's his team. You know, he runs everything there, and that's a big part of why they, you know, got rid of their general manager, Brian Gain. I, I think that was, you know, Bill O'Brien's say, and now he's running everything himself. And um, I think this will be a very, you know, defining moment for his career to see how this season goes, considering he was, you know, behind getting rid of Gain, and then he's taken over. He made a lot of those trades, and, and the fans were happy with the with the trades as far as you know, uh, getting Lar- Laramie Tunsil and and the offensive line moves he did after the Clowney trade. But he's definitely, I guess you would say, on the hot seat from a fan's perspective because they want more. This is a franchise that, you know, is relatively one of the newer ones in the NFL and they want to win something more than a first round, you know, playoff game. Uh, Lainey, you, you mentioned that you covered Deshaun Watson in Clemson and now obviously covering him at the Texans and you talked about his leadership role. What are some of the mm-hmm. qualities that you've seen him develop from his time at Clemson? And obviously now, I mean, he had a tough year last year I mean you can only take so many punches right like the most quarterback in the NFL but how has he kind of taken the reins of this team and taking that leadership role and kind of ran with it to to have as good of a uh, a team they did last year with even Mm -hmm. you know struggling an offensive line but how has his leadership developed from Clemson to now and having to lead this Texans offense I think um you know his Honestly, he's always had these qualities at Clemson. I mean, he tore his ACL twice, I believe, at Clemson and worked through that. And so he's always been a guy who's just like nothing can bring him down mentally. Like he's always going to overcome. And like you said, he was sacked 62 times last season. And I think that just speaks for itself that you would have not realized that by the way he was playing and how well he held up. He's such a durable guy and like mentally especially – I think where he's grown has been, you know, just his, his smarts, like with the playbook, like Bill O'Brien, like challenging him and adding more on his plate. And I think that's a lot with a lot of what fans want to see this season is for Bill O'Brien to give him even more of the reins and, and challenge him even more and add more, uh, you know, to his playbook, trust him a little more. Cause I think he's fully ready to, you know, to take a bigger role even than he has had. Is there a player that you're excited to see tonight, either for the Texans or the Saints, that you're that you either saw in training camp or that you're a matchup mm-hmm. you're excited to see tonight? Is there someone that you're specifically going to keep your eye on tonight for either team? Um, I get honestly, I'm just excited to see the Saints' offense and just kind of see what they did. And you know, I know they're hungry and motivated after that heartbreaker in the NFC title game. So I'm just excited to see how they're going to come out with Drew Brees and, you know, Alvin Kamara, who's still multidimensional, and uh, Michael Thomas is going to be a handful for the Texans. So I'm, I'm excited to see just how great they come out to play. Perfect. Well, Lainey, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it and look Thank forward to seeing for you tonight. Me. Yes, I'll see you all out there. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, Lainey, for joining us on today's show. You can follow her on Twitter at Lainey Fritz. That's at L-A-I-N-I-E Fritz, F-R-I-T-Z. 
Well, Saints fans, game day is finally here. I have all the energy. I am feeling very excited for tonight's game. I have a little bit of anxiety, but it's mostly good energy. I hope you do too. I hope you are dressed all decked out in your black and gold at work today or wherever you are today. I hope you do whatever superstitions it is that you do before Saints games, whether it's putting a penny in your sock or wearing a Saints jersey, whatever it is, I hope you are geared up and ready for the Saints game tonight. If you're going to the game, be sure to download the Saints app so you can light up the dome tonight. We are going to light up the dome during player introductions and we want you to be a part of it if you're not going to the game be sure to also download the saints app to watch player uh, interviews highlights and get your stats and much much more the game will be at 6 10 tonight you can watch it on espn or as always listen in on wwl 870 am with your own deuce McAllister and zach streif jd and i will have your pregame show a few hours before kickoff on neworleansaints.com or the saints app we'll also have a post game show immediately following the game on neworleansaints.com or the saints app that will will also have the live press conferences of sean payton and drew Brees. if you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event it can be complicated there's hundreds of sites and shady pricing but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place search for and discover the best deals on seats buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps with their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. That's code GOSAINTS, no spaces, at checkout. SeatGeek, let's go. That'll do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. For Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, thanks to Lainey Fritz for joining us on today's show. Have a great day and go Saints.